Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. This is the journey from how I went from a hip-hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. Now, this one, this this episode is going to be a little bit different, and usually I cater all the way back to multifamily real estate in some way. But as I'm going along this journey, I am seeing a lot of you know self-limiting beliefs, and I'm battling against those. And I definitely have the perfect guest to do that. But before before I introduce him, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Nightly Productions. If you want to create virtual content and double down, uh, or, and if you already have a platform podcast and you're ready to just break through the noise and uh, create content that is, you know, that's not wasting anybody's time and you want content that delivers, please reach out to Nightly Productions. Now, today's guest, CEO of People Building Inc., powerhouse behind the Waymo What Are You Made of Movement and podcast. He's performance coach, author, dynamic public speaker, visionary and thought leader, actually featured by Yahoo Finance as one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020, consumed with passion to help people break free from complacency and propel to untapped levels of success by converting setbacks into rocket fuel. He is on a mission to help build people like myself and help others achieve greatness. Please give a warm welcome to Mike C-Rock Sirocco. What's up, Taylor? Great to be here, man. Great to be here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful to have you. Thank you so much for for coming on to this show. Now, you know, with your story, I resonate a I resonate a lot with it, um, and something, uh, especially because I come from divorced parents as well. And uh, I was like, oh, shout out divorced buddies, um, and shout out to all the uh, <laughs> people that have divorced parents. But something that was really striking to me was the transparency that you have with telling your story. So, you know, I was wondering if you can just give a quick little, you know, summary about your story and even what got you to creating this transparency and and brand and what got you here. Yeah, man. As you mentioned, uh, first of all, gratitude, man. Thanks for having me. And to me, gratitude has changed everything for me in my life. So I want to make sure I express that to you and your audience for being here to listen. Uh, you know, I, I came from a broken home, as you mentioned. I don't remember my parents together, you know, came up, did the every other weekend thing, you know, custody battles, child support. Then you add step parents into the mix and conflict arises because then you got to match their agendas to what's going on. And, you know, a lot of things are taken out on the kids and adults a lot of times don't realize the impact that they're having on the children and the fact that they're supposed to be role models to the kids so that the kids know how to act growing up. And you see a lot of immature behavior. And I, I definitely witnessed a lot of immature behavior growing up. And as I tell this story, it's not to bash anybody because everybody's got their own problems and to deal with and they're going through their own thing. But at the end of the day, the impact was on me was, was great. And so I lived with my mom for until I was about eight years old and she decided to move on to her third marriage, uh, marry her third husband. And I wasn't ready as a kid to go into another household and learn another man's rules. And I had the opportunity in a, you know, plan B, which was to move in with my dad. And he was married to his second wife at that time. 
and give that a shot. And at first it was great, but then there was some conflicts that started to arise, I guess, between my stepmom and mom and like this the things that were going on. I don't, I don't know exactly the details. It's none of my business really, but it was taken out on me often. And so for three years, I lived with a lot of psychological and mental abuse, threats, things being said about my mom, no matter if she's right or wrong, it shouldn't be said to a kid. And I, there was nights where I slept uh, in my bed with a baseball bat just because I was scared and, you know, no kid should ever have to go through that. And I'm sure there's people that have had it worse, but this is my story and where my fire was lit. And so when I got to about age 10 and a half in that range there, I decided to, that this isn't the way I wanted to live. And I told my mom about what was going on and she was, she had an idea, but she just wasn't, you know, convinced exactly what was going on. So I told her and I I was kind of scared for time being, because I didn't know, if anybody would believe me, I didn't know if what would happen to, this is a crazy thing. You don't know what would happen to your abuser. You're kind of, you, you care, you still care about people. You know, it's crazy when people go through abuse. That's a thought that goes through their head, you know, and you just didn't know what would happen. So I ended up finally sharing it with her. And she said, you know what, that's not the way you're supposed to like grow up. You, you know, you, you don't need to go through that. You're, you're better than that. And I, I'm going to file papers to get you out of there. But if I do, you need to stick to your guns because if you don't stick to your guns and flip flop, I'm going to the courts here. It just doesn't look good. And so whatever you believe in in life, Mikey, she said, whatever you believe in life, you need to stick to your guns. And I took that as being stubborn. Like I needed to, whatever I wanted in life to really want to achieve something or I believe in something, I got to go full force with it. And I came up with looking up at the definition of that being perversely unyielding. So skip forward a few weeks. My dad finally got served after days and days and days gone by where I was waiting for it to happen. Of course, I didn't tell him what was going on. And when that ended up happening, I came home one day and you could feel the tension in the air in the house. And, uh, you know, I was probably 10 and a half, 11 at this point. And I, I just walked in and my dad, by the way, my dad was my hero. He had these big forearms and rough hands from being a Mason. He had his own masonry business, hard worker. I always looked up to him for that. And he used to do well with money and he used to carry a wad of hundred dollar bills around in his pocket with a rubber band around it. And I, I thought that was the coolest thing, man. I just he used to flash it and all. <laughs> so he told me to go to my room that day and I went back and waited for him to come back and confront me. And I was saying in my head, like, I'm not discussing this. I'm just going to stick to my guns. Right. So he came back and said, you know, it says here, you want to move back with your mom. And you know, I don't get it because you have everything you need here. And I guess kind of, he wasn't really seeing the, the effects of what was going on. He was kind of in a denial. I think it's very important when you're going through life to be accepting of things that are going on and not denying them. Cause when you deny something, it grows, bad things grow. And so, you know, that, that happened at that point where he wasn't sure why this was happening. So I, I confirmed what the, what the paper said and said, I didn't want to discuss it. He reminded me of how poor my mom was and she was onto her third husband and who knows she could have other men running through the house and you know, little stupid stuff that a kid shouldn't have to hear. And I said, you know, I made my mind up. He said, all right, that's the case. And he takes that wad of hundred dollar bills out. He crumpled it up, threw it at me and said, you're going to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And, uh, you know, that's when the, the fire was lit, man. Truthfully, I'm stubborn to a fault. <laughs> and I, uh, I had a spark lit there that could not be put out. And for 30 some years now, everything I've done, I've tried to be the best I possibly can, the most valuable person, the most valuable player, the most valuable teammate, the most valuable employer, husband, father, all these things, because I'm not letting him win with that comment. And, and when you're stubborn and you're perverse and yielding to something, you remember things 30 years ago, you don't let it slip through. And it's not that I'm holding on to it and resenting and anything like that at all. This is just for fuel. And so for 30 some years, subconsciously, I was driving off of this. And two years ago, I was in a dark spot in business. Things weren't going the way they should be. I I had a lot of weight on my shoulders and I had to do a self-assessment of like really what was going on in my life. Why did I get to this point where I was despite all the bad things that were happening? 
I'd run through like people let me down, disappointments, people taking advantage, which I take responsibility for letting that happen. Uh, my screw ups, all that stuff. Why was I still elevating? And I found I was taking all this stuff. I was storing it in my fuel tank instead of my trunk where it would weigh me down. And I was converting it into rocket fuel for my future. So I decided I bottled the, the, the formula to become unstoppable by converting anything that would stop you or slow you down into rocket fuel for your future to get out into orbit away from all the negative suppressors, which is gravity pulling you down. And so I, when I found that out, I'm like, dude, I got to get this out to people. I got to write a book. So I decided to write the book. Grant Cardone wrote the forward for the book. And, uh, yeah, so that's the background of it, man. I'm I'm excited to get this into people's hands. It just I just got this this physical copy yesterday. Yeah, I pre-ordered it, and so uh, I'm I'm excited I'm excited for it to come in. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you know, going back into thank your you story, by the way, thank you. Oh, of course, of course. Now, you know, going back in, into that story and just the idea of being stubborn, something that, you know, I was going through and I also didn't realize that it was bleeding into different parts of my life was internalizing, you know, internalizing what was going on. And so in a way, like, since I was the oldest uh, of my parents, you know, there was, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of pride behind like, oh, you know, you know, I think I feel like you love your dad more than you love me, or oh, I feel like you love your mom more than you love me. And so as a kid, you know, I would think, oh, like I have to, I have to seek their validation. I have to show them love and I have to prove to them of my love. And so I would often just, I would see that and trying to look for that validation and love, like more so as, as I continued on in life and until I started to be aware of it. But, you know, at such a young age with you being stubborn and sort of sticking your, sticking your ground, like there, there's a lot of confidence that comes within that. Right. And so I was wondering like, where did that stubbornness come from to really just like stick with what you believe in? Well, at the end of the day, like when you really want something, the only way to get it, you know, I think, by the way, I think it has a lot to do with seeing things taken away from me at times. Hmm. You know, there's a time, I think I talked about it in the book, like I would go to my mom's house, get Christmas presents from her family. I would come back with Christmas presents that I got from my family. And because the other kids that were at the house didn't get Christmas presents, my toys and things were taken from me. Hmm. Like that's, that's like... I just can't even fathom like that's why wouldn't you just let the kids play with everybody plays with the toys like, you know, it's just this kind of weird shit that would go on like that. And I, yeah. I think that when I want something, I know that if I don't go after it full force, it's not going to be gotten one. Somebody else could take it from me and I'm just not letting that happen. And I believe that every solution has a problem. I mean, every problem has a solution and I just know that I can find it if I don't give up. And I believe that there's a solution to the problem. So, you know, and I'm, by the way, to confidence, you know, confidence can be shown on the outside a lot and not necessarily felt on the inside. And the more sometimes it's shown on the outside, it really reflects the inside of the problem that might be inside. But it also helps you. If you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, magic things happen. And I've seen that so many times that I just can't let that go. And, you know, when you were pushing and, and when you started to share this story, and, and like I said, and this is one of the, the reasons why I really respect just you and your come up, was the transparency part. Were you ever afraid of what people were, were thinking of, of you about or, you know, as you started to share this? Like, at least because for me, I mean, to be completely honest, this is the first time I've actually ever talked about my whole parent situation, especially on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, what was what was that experience like? you know, when you first started sharing that story. Yeah. So I was at 10X Growth Conference in Miami at the Marlins Stadium a couple of years ago. And Pete Vargas was sharing a story about his relationship with his father. Mm. And in doing that, he was teaching us like 
how you connect with people's hearts by sharing your story. And then they'll be open to listening to what you have to offer. Right. And until that they're there, most people are closed off. So I was like sitting there and he was connecting with me and I, I felt like the whole audience disappeared and it was just me and Pete sitting there. And I'm like, this is wild, man. I have a story. And if Pete can do it, he's sweating. He looks scared. I can do it. <laughs> Pete's a friend of mine. He'll, he'll tell you that story too. But I, I was like, man, I, I could do this. Why am I not up on that stage? I'm, I'm, I think I was like around 40 at that time. I'm like, what did I do with my whole life? I had aspirations. By the way, I had aspirations. When I turned 18, I had not drank alcohol. I didn't do any drugs. I wasn't a partier. I was athlete, student, athlete, just going hard. I got to college and it was like Disney World and I fell off my purpose and intention. And then from that point, when I was 18 till about 25, 26, somewhere in that range, I was partying. The most important thing to me was where's the next party. And before I met my wife, I'm chasing girls and, and where are the girls? Where's the party? And that comes along with alcohol, drugs. And it's just, you know, sometimes there's short periods of time that were, that were fun. Don't get me wrong, but it leads into destruction. It leads into despair and depression, dark times when nobody else was around. It, it, it was bad. And, you know, I wasted a lot of my life because I lost my intention and purpose. So I was watching Pete and I'm like, man, I wasted all this time. Now my window, I felt like my window, 40, 40 years old, is shrinking now to, to make the impact that I had set out for myself back when I was a kid. And so what I saw then was, okay, I got to start sharing my story. Now, I found that people don't share their story for a few reasons. One, they think nobody cares about it. Like, who cares about my story? Like, why would anybody want to know that? Two, they, they, they're embarrassed by it. You know, you go through abuse or if you grew up in a poor family or you grew up in a crazy family, it's embarrassing. You know, look, I remember going on vacation to, to Wildwood, New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. When I moved back with my mom, there were six of us and we brought friends with us. So there's probably eight of us and we stayed in a one-room motel. I don't even know where we slept. I don't even remember, but... It was like a mo- run, old rundown shitty motel and we'd stay there and we'd have black trash bags as our suitcases. Like that's embarrassing, wow. dude. And we had broken down cars in our driveway. Like that's just to me as a kid thinking that I'm like, I'm capable of wonderful things. I've always thought that for some reason, I, I don't know if my mom imprinted that in my head or what, but I was always thought I'm capable of great things. And here, this is where I'm growing up, which it can be embarrassing to some people, you know, so they don't share the story because of that. And the last one, which is the most powerful one, is we all underestimate our, the power of our story to inspire millions and millions of people. It's just a matter of getting it in front of them. So I started sharing my story to five people, 10 people. They were all inspired by it. And I'm like, wow, I was blown away. So I'm like, if that, this is the case with 10 people, what if I could reach 10 million people? What would that do? So then I started conjuring up ways to how could I get in front of 10 million people? What are the ways to do that? Podcast, connections, book. You know, I started thinking every day, every waking up obsessed. How can I get known? How can I get out of obscurity? How can I get more people to know who I am? And in doing that, it just in the last year and a half spread like wildfire to the point where I have connections that I've never would have thought before. I know celebrities. I know high profile business people, super successful people. It's not just that I know them. They know who I am. And it's just a, it's a crazy, crazy thing once you get committed and obsessed to something. So to answer your question, once I started sharing a story, I realized that the power that was in it and just continue to do that. Now, I will tell you, if you haven't accomplished anything in life yet, nobody <laughs> wants to hear people's sob stories. Like that's not something people want to hear the sob stories. You have to have something behind it. Like if I tell the story, then I got to follow it with some kind of content, some kind of thing that where did I come from? Why, did, why is it important about that story? you know, and how's it impacted me today and impacting other people? Okay. And, you know, 
No, that's 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 interesting because I'm starting to share my story because you know I, I was a professor. I was actually training to be a professional dancer, and that was I I got on Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I was able to dance back up behind Vic Mensa and Travis Barker, and then there was that one little stint of. I never got paid because I wasn't represented by an agent. And just having that feeling of not being in charge of my own finances and having that just taken away, just like that, that whole dream of becoming a professional dancer really just altered and twisted into something where I really need to take care of uh, my finances in order for me to build generational wealth for my family. Cause I mean, that was a huge, big part growing up. And so when I, I am sharing my story, they, there was a little bit of a, a nervousness with jumping into it because in a way, I, to be honest, I haven't really accomplished much or anything. I mean, I think this, is the, this podcast is one of the coolest things that I've been able to do and being able to have a conversation with you. Yeah, but hold up, dude. Like the fact that you were a professional dancer and the fact that you're on Jimmy Kimmel, which I've never been on Jimmy Kimmel yet. Yeah. You know, so you have accomplished <laughs> something. And so you can, you got to take inventory of your wins. Mm. Important in building confidence and creating unlimited beliefs is that you got to inventory your wins, not celebrate them for long, but inventory them so that you are aware of what you've accomplished and build upon them. You know, mm. I think it's very important that you do that. And, you know, talking about self-limit, you know, self-limiting, self-limitations, basically we negotiate with ourselves too much. Hmm. You know, like we come up with an idea. By the way, I'm in a tech space now. Um, I have a new product coming out called Blueprinted, B-L-O-O, Printed. And this product is a, is a game changer. It's an industry disruptor. And if I would have came up with this idea and talked to myself about like, I don't know how to do that. How am I going to ever do that? Nobody will ever buy that. Like, there's got to be another product out there like that. And I would negotiate myself out of doing it. And then I'm stuck where I was, where it was before. Hmm. Instead of saying, I got this idea. How can I do it? If I, if I were able to do it, how could I do it? Who would I need to meet to help me? Who's done it before? And just put all the pieces together and understand in your mind that every single problem, which to me, if you want to accomplish something and you don't, you don't know how to do it yet, that's a problem. Every mm -hmm. single problem has a solution. Hmm. It's, you may not be able to figure it out yourself, but you, then you need to go find out who can help you. Hmm. And so that's where perversely yielding comes in. Inexorable. That's another word that means unyielding. Inexorable. You have to be inexorable to what you want to accomplish. Because when you get that in your head and that's part of your core values, like my core value, my mission is all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And so I filter everything in my life through that, that purpose. When I wake up and I don't feel like getting up out of bed, well, now I got to get up. I got to do it anyway, because uh, all, per all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams and live the life of my dreams. I got to get my ass up. I don't feel like working out today. Today's my day to get up early and get the really early workout in. I do that once a week to keep myself off balance a little. Mm -hmm. And I, the night before I'm like, oh man, I got to go to bed early tonight. I got to get up early. I don't really need to do this. Why am I doing this? That would be that negotiation started. I cut that out. I hammered that when I started doing that and catching myself doing that, I stopped doing it. I stopped like just cold Turkey, stopped negotiating with myself. The morning time when that alarm goes off, I wake up. I used to have problems with it. I stopped doing that. I just make the commitment. I'm not going to negotiate with myself. Hmm. This is a non-negotiable. I have to do this. I have to do it anyway. And when you get this mindset and you have a core purpose and you're like firm set on that core purpose, there ain't nothing get in your way. And then mm. it makes everything easier too, because like I talk about rocket fuel a lot, right? But yeah. I don't talk about rocket science. I want simplicity. I want to be able to make decisions quick. And in order to do that, I need simple going towards or away, building or destroying, living or dying. That's it. I, I make decisions based off that. And from there, I can act fast and I can accomplish a lot more. Hmm. 
And, you know, you know, now touching on rocket fuel, then and I would, I would love to know, and this, uh, uh, it could be a hot take, but do you ever think that there's actually bad rocket fuel for you? And, and, and here's the example that I was thinking of is, you know, let's, let's say, you know, people always say workout, um, or, you know, you want to achieve this whole like physique that you're, you're dreaming about. Right. But that rock of fuel that you could be using was, oh, I'm just trying to get at all the girls that denied me in, in, in some way or another. Like, do you think there there's ways of having bad rocket fuel to but still propel that into into success that of, of where you're trying to go? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is why I just like what I just mentioned is so important. Having a core purpose or core mission. Hmm. Because if you have a core purpose, a core mission, and it's ethical and, and moral and, and full of integrity, and you're full of integrity, right. you're going to have a mission to go do something great, right? Mm. So when you're converting rocket things into rocket fuel, that's going to be fueling you towards that mission. But if it's just because you want to look good for girls and there's no <laughs> other mission behind it, which, by the way, we've all been there. We all want to look good. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I want to look good taking my shirt off. By the way, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to look out of shape and fat and sloppy. <laughs> taking your shirt off. I, I hate when people say, oh, it's more important about what's inside. No, it is more important about what's inside, but still that doesn't, that's just an excuse to take you off the hook from taking care of yourself. Diet, exercise. There should not be any influencer out there talking about taking care of things and doing this and doing that to be successful. That's out of shape and not taking care of themselves. It's contradicting. And to me, there's a, there's a integral problem there. So yeah, man. I mean, I think it's just going everything through your core purpose. You know, that's actually with an interesting point too. Uh, in the mention, you mentioned influencers, because uh, especially now, like me, and then I have a younger brother. There's, you know, a lot of social validation um, in trying to, you know, let people, you know, feel how they want to feel and stuff. I'd love to get your take on, you know, just the the idea that we are, or, or that we're allowed to feel how we're able to feel, and we accept that for for what it is versus trying to grow and be better. Is that the question that I'm trying to ask? <laughs> I tried. I was, yeah, I mean, I was, are, you, are you talking about like trying to please people and worried about what people think or? Like, yeah. Funny? Yeah. They, I, I think that's, that's where I'm trying to go. Well, cause you know, for, for example, right. Like I have a, I have a little cousin and he's trying to, you know, make it, you know, to college basketball. Right. But he's never really been in that situation where he really needed to dig deep and, and let's say channel his rocket fuel because a lot of people were kidding to him and saying like, Oh, you don't feel like this. Like it's okay. You know, just, just stick with it and really just catering to their feelings. And so like, I'd love to know the words for the younger generation. I'm um, in order to accomplish something. What would your advice be? be when it comes when you have these influencers dang I, I'm, I'm going all in a circle right now when you have no, these it's in, okay yeah when you have these influencers really just trying to tap into making sure they're feeling okay versus like pushing for growth well nothing anytime you grow or stretch it doesn't feel good so just none understand that and if you know that ahead of time mm. then you're gonna realize that i just need to push through and do it anyway remember everything's either serving your core purpose or not and anything mm. that's not remove it anything that is go for it even if it doesn't feel good. Hmm. And the other thing about being concerned with what people think and all that, like, I don't worry about what people think. I, I'm more worried about how I am experienced by other people. Like what experience am I giving Taylor right now? Like, I want you to experience like the energy that's coming through this zoom. Right. And I want you to be done when we're done. I'm, I'm going to, I want you to be like, damn, that was, <laughs> that, that was more than I thought it was going to be. 
I'm concerned with that, not whether Taylor likes my hat or Taylor likes the way I talk or Taylor, you know, I got to please Taylor with, with, uh, you know, what I'm saying. Like, I don't care about, I want you to experience what I want you to experience from it. But what you think about it's not, not of my concern because that's not my problem. Well, <laughs> well, I will say like, it is a cool hat, cool shirt, cool logo. Like I love, you yeah, know, I love that. No, I don't really care though, Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do things to please people. I'll do things to get people to experience, have a great experience from being around me. You know, that's what we should be concerned with. Hmm. You know, so, so now switching gears a little bit more into uh, the, the industry that I'm trying to dive into. And, you know, one of the self-limiting beliefs that I, that I had and was, oh, you're a dancer. No one's really going to take you seriously if you try and go into real estate. Now, for people that don't have experience, maybe they're like too young, too old, maybe don't have any money moving into it, but they want to jump into that industry. What advice would you give in doing so? All insecurity comes from lack of knowledge. You could be in a, 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 a guy that does cuts grass. You could be a trash guy. You could be a janitor. You could be whatever. But if you get enough knowledge about something else that you want to do, you're going to figure out how to do it. And so for me, as far as taking me seriously, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the knowledge, which will lead to confidence and more security. And so that people can never question who I am. And if I'm going to be so good and know so much that if they question me, they're freaking nuts and it's on them and it's their problem. And then I'll go find the people that know that I'm, I know the stuff I you know, need to know to get it done. But again, it's also surrounding yourself with great people, you know, and, and absorbing information from people like, you know, Grant, um, I know another guy that's a, a good buddy of mine that's in the, in that space. And he started just a young, young, young kid and he got involved with it and he had the right mentor. And now he's teaching other people and I can connect you with that with him after this call. Yeah, thank you. Just, I love it. You gotta look, you gotta you gotta look at it and be like, did somebody else accomplish this? Okay. Well, if somebody else did, it's possible. Right. right. Because look, dude, there's people that are creating things that are not been done before. Things that are done before, that should be the easy. That, I mean, not easy, but that's that should be like like a given. You definitely can achieve that. Hmm. Just thinking about the people that, that that come up with ideas that have never been like the Wright brothers about an airplane, right? Right. <laughs> the, the cell phone, the cell phone for crying out loud. You know, right. video calls. You know, that's 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 the stuff that's like, well, can I do that or not? Because it's never been done before. Yeah. And in making sure and, and really highlighting the, the environment part and the people that you're surrounding yourself with in order for you to believe it in a certain way, too. Because, I mean, you know, I've definitely had some friends where, you know, they have the, the pessimistic feel and like, ah, yeah, sure, you're going to do this sure you're going to do that. But, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people and, and controlling that environment is extremely beneficial and towards propelling towards yeah, your success. Dude. Have you worked the numbers on a deal before? I've been trying. That's what I've been working on. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, like you, yeah. you can even create create a fake property, right? Just this is what I did. Like, by the way, when I started this thing, all this stuff, I actually took a piece of paper. This is, is going to sound crazy. I actually <laughs> took a blank piece of paper and I drew a dude on a stage, stick figure on a stage, and I just started drawing circles. And I draw all these people in the crowd for me to visualize me be on a stage and all these people are listening to me. Just and it doesn't even didn't even happen yet, but I was just visualizing, right? So for a deal, just pretend there's a deal. It's called Taylor Apartment Complex, hmm. and it has 40 units, and the rents are here. And you know, just work the numbers and, and do a sample of it, and then see if that sample that you just put together doesn't work, doesn't make sense. Okay, what would it take to make it make sense? What would the rents need to be? What would the expenses need to be? You know, mm. like just just 
play around with, you don't even need to find a real deal out there. You can go, you can go find a real deal out there and get the numbers off of the real deal to get a, get an idea. But at the end of the day, dude, create your own fantasy world and then start working a, a, a deal out on paper. Now you go find a deal that's, let's say you find a deal that's a $3 million deal and you don't have any money. Well, shit, you got to go find some people with some money. So now <laughs> your goal is I need this amount of money. I need this amount of investors to put this much in. And who can help me with that? One, who are some people that would have that money? And where can I go to find that? And I'm going to make this happen. I've already, I've already committed to myself. This is going to happen. So now that this is when the perversely unyielding kicks in and you're like, uh, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, anybody that doubted me, I'm going to shove it up their ass. Excuse my language. I'm going to throw <laughs> all that stuff that they said to me in my fuel tank and I'm going to convert it to rocket fuel and I'm going to show them and they're going to be like, holy shit. And then they're going to come back around because it's a hater cycle. And they're going to come back around and say, dude, I knew Taylor was going to do that. He said he was going to, I knew he was, I told you guys about him, but they didn't really because they're just subconsciously justifying their actions, but go work a deal, dude. Just go work an imaginary deal and make it carry it all the way through. So you just know it inside and out backwards, forward. You understand for every hundred dollars you raise in rent, is going to increase the value of the property by X amount. You know what the you know what the the cap rate you need. You, you you'll know all this because you're going to work it over over and over again. You're going to be obsessed with it. If you're not obsessed with it, you're not really committed. You're not obsessed, your average. <laughs> yeah, you're obsessed you're, with your average. Yeah, you need to check your commitments. And if this is really what you want to do, you should be spending all your time doing podcasts, meeting people, and all that. But all your other time is like working deals, man. Hmm. working the numbers, getting it as familiar as possible so that when you do talk to somebody that's serious, a serious investor, and they say, well, what's the return, annualized return you're thinking on this and the exit and this and that, you, you, you know the answers. Like, right. I can't promise anything, can't guarantee it, but here's what I'm shooting for. Hmm. Are you in or are you not? You know? I love that I, By the way, I don't do any yeah. multifamily, but I, I've, I've been around enough sales and business and I heard enough talk about Grant and my, my buddies that like I could, I could do this. And why I don't do it yet is because I'm investing money in businesses right now. And uh, I'm, go I'm going, I will eventually at some point get into that. It's not hard. Mm. It's not hard. It's all numbers, dude. And the numbers don't lie. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. And, and I appreciate, you know, the feedback. Now, a uh, quick question that when, when we talk about core purpose and let's say I do reach that and the haters are saying, oh, you know, I knew Taylor was going to make it. Uh, I finally proved the haters wrong, right? Have you ever reached a moment where you're like, you, you reach this goal that you, you, you hit and then you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really know what to, what to do now. <laughs> so raise it up again. Mm, okay. All right. Reset. 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 We celebrate, we celebrate wins for five minutes and we move on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. The reason people retire and then die shortly thereafter is because they stopped having purposes. They stopped having targets to shoot for. Mm. Life is all about solving problems and like hitting targets, aiming for targets. And so when you, when you do that, and by the way, like somebody hates on me, discourages me and all that to me, it's not getting to the end game and then shoving it in their face. Really. It's not really about that. It's just, for me, it's like, where can I find deposits of fuel? And that's a definitely a great source to put in your tank, because if you don't use it as fuel, you're going to use it to let yourself be limited or quit. So why, why do that? Why not take it as fuel and then say, I'll show you just get, just, you know, get your popcorn ready. Watch this. And then by the way, like at the end of the day, when you have it, it's not going to matter whether they care or not about it, or they say, yeah, I knew he was going to do it, or it doesn't matter anymore. You got to where you wanted to go. No, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that, that insight and then that feedback. Now, you know, wrapping things up, I'd love to know, and I always ask this question for all my other guests, but it, what is the legacy that you want to leave in the world now after all this? 
Yeah, I want to make people feel like my heroes made me feel. So when I was in dark times, I found people, I searched out people that would give me hope. When you're in an adversity in close proximity to adversity, the less hope you have, the less light at the end of the tunnel, if any, you see. So for people that came to me and made me feel that hope, made me validate the animal that I had inside of me, I want people to, I want people to feel like that. So when I'm, when I'm gone one day and they say they bring up my name, I want people to be like, yeah, dude, that's the dude that made me feel like I could accomplish anything and be unstoppable. And that's what my core purpose is. It's all about making people understand until you're plucked from this planet, you are unstoppable to live in the life of your dreams. I love that. I love that. And so if people want to get in touch with you, I know you have a coaching program. I know that uh, also your book is your book is coming out. The physical copies are on the way. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, get educated, how can they reach you? Yeah. Instagram is the best. Mikey C-Rock, M-I-K-E-Y-C-R-O-C. Go on Instagram or LinkedIn, but my website's MikeCrock.com. And also look out for this new app, tech product coming out. It's called Blueprinted with two O's, Blueprinted. It is going to be basically a program that, I mean, a, a software that people can build the blueprints to their success in it. Unlike a digital video training course, which doesn't work anymore. They don't work. People don't complete the courses. <laughs> people are making money that know how to market, but they're not, the, the success of the student is not relevant. Hmm. And it, that's a problem to me. So I found that if you just give people the steps to success and show them from step one to the final step, exactly what to do in an algorithmic format, in a project management base, you can have a marketplace in all different verticals where people can come and buy blueprints from people for success. And that's what we've created. It's an industry disruptor. It's going to change the way people coach people, advise people and consult people. Wow. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check that out. That's dope. That's really cool. That's really cool. What? Thank you so much, C-Rock, for joining us on this show. Thank you, everyone, Appreciate for – yeah, it, it, honestly, this is, I'm so grateful that you you came onto this show. And when we're talking about experience, I am feeling inspired. I'm, I'm ready to awesome. launch and, and, and get going. So I got a lot of work to do. But honestly, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.